What is up, you guys? Welcome to 10 Pin Life Podcast number 17 featuring Aaron McCarthy. This is the first time on the 10 Pin Life Podcast that we are actually featuring a guest that just recently won on their respective tour and especially one that just won a major. Aaron was the 2022 U.S. Women's Open Champion. She brought home that green jacket as well as the $60,000 first prize. And honestly, her route to this title was pretty incredible. Her first two games were right around 300. She started like minus 100 for the first two games of the entire tournament and then dug herself completely out of that hole all the way to a title. But outwardly, Erin is a pretty quiet person. She's pretty reserved on TV, but it doesn't mean that she isn't competitive. So I really wanted to highlight what it was like for her to go all the way through this event and give her the opportunity to tell us that story of like what it was like block to block, as well as through the show when she ran the ladder through, honestly, a gauntlet of players. But that's not the whole story. See, Erin's 10-pin life is more than just about bowling. Erin is a critical care nurse at a hospital in Omaha, and as you can imagine, in that role over the last couple years through the pandemic, life has changed for her as well. So have the opportunity to talk to her about what it's been like going through COVID in that position and how that's impacted her and her bowling life as well. Before we get started, I do want you guys to know that this episode is sponsored by Bowl Dry Enterprises. Greg was cool enough to send me one of these fans a couple months ago and really take it for a test drive because one of the rules that I live by here on 10 Pin Life is I won't sponsor products that I don't don't believe in. So I said, Greg, if you want to sponsor the podcast, absolutely. But I got to try this thing out and I got to make sure it's worth it. And honestly, I've been pretty impressed with the sustainability of the battery, but also the durability of the entire fan itself. And honestly, it's just a good thing to have in your bag. I never really was a fan user before having this fan. And now I have it on all the time when I'm practicing or if I'm bowling league, just to have it on my hand, keep it nice and dry. Now that we're coming into the summer months of July and August, it's pretty much on all the time just to make sure that I can either keep myself warm, put it on the bottom of my shoe in between shots to make sure that that stays nice and dry if it's humid or on my hand. Honestly, it's just everywhere, moving air around and you know, you take it for granted when you have it and then you don't have it like I have a couple times here over the last couple of weeks and I've really missed it. So be sure to head on over to bowldry.com. That's B-O-W-L-D-R-I.com and use the code 10PIN15 T-E-N-P-I-N-1-5 at checkout for 15% off your final order. But honestly, big thank you to Greg and Bull Dry for sponsoring this podcast, but that's going to be enough out of me, you guys. Let's get into it with 10 Pin Life Podcast number 17 with Aaron McCarthy. McCarthy, you had a bit of a week last week. (laughs) Uh, So you just recently won the 22 U.S. Open, which was only your second PWBA Tour title, um, which, you know, if if you look at it from that perspective, it's like, wow, like to win the biggest major as title number two is pretty darn cool. Um, But living a what I call a 10 pin life obviously it's the name of the channel is a lot bigger than just that so even though you know a lot of attention is being paid to you and uh, for for the fact that you got to win one of the most prestigious titles in bowling I don't want to start there call me crazy (laughs) (laughs) Um, Aaron what I want to do is I I, want to know what your story in bowling is because that's what 10 pin life is all about 
It's, it's, you know, it's so much of it. So much of the publicity goes to the wins. It goes to the successes. It goes to the, the results, the top of the mountain. It doesn't, it doesn't get paid to how you got there. And I know that you've bowled since you were two and there's a lot of time between now and then. And I'm curious, what is Aaron McCarthy's bowling story? So you're right. I did start when I was about two years old. Um, my parents bowled and I think it was either like a Friday or a Saturday night fun league. Not competitive mm-hmm. whatsoever. They didn't bowl anything <laughs> other than that. Um, but they always used to let me bowl afterwards. And they put me in junior leagues on Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in high school, um, in Nebraska, bowling wasn't super big. I didn't mm-hmm. know about bowling in other states. I didn't know about scholarship opportunities or anything like that. Um, but my high school had a club team. So I tried out for the club team, bowled for the club team. Um, you know, you practice twice a week, do some traveling locally. Um, yep. on the weekends. And then it wasn't until about my sophomore, junior of high school, um, someone asked me about the Greater Iowa Scholarship Bowling Tour, which obviously mm-hmm. right next door in that state. Um, mm-hmm. But I said, you know, sure, why not? It was on a house shot. And I started to get kind of, I guess, if you want to call it competitive with that. Um, and I, you know, I had my ups and my downs and my my parents were convinced that I needed to get a coach if I was going to you know, continue yeah. doing this, but yeah. being 16, 17, I know everything. So I don't think that I, <laughs> I need a coach. <laughs> um, but needless to say they won. I, I reached out to someone uh, named, it was Jamie Martin at the time, but Jamie Wrangle is her name now. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually bowled to Nebraska on some of their championships teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was a sophomore, junior in high school, I didn't really know that college bowling was even a, a thing or even an option yeah. at that time. Um, but mm-hmm. Jamie obviously led me in that general direction. Um, I worked mm-hmm. with her for many years. I ended up going to Nebraska. Um, I only bowled there for one year, stayed mm-hmm. for two, but then I transferred over to Midland University. Mm-hmm. So that's where mm-hmm. I really realized that, you know, there's a lot that bowling has to offer, not just with scholarships, mm-hmm. but with friendships and camaraderie and tournaments and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So I bowled in college um, and I graduated in 2012. And then I decided, you know, I'm not done with school yet. I'm going to go back for another year of schooling to, to get my nursing degree. So I did that and I finished and there wasn't really a lot to bowl for women. You know, you had your local events and your amateur tournaments and you still had the Queens and the U S open, but there was no tour. So Mm -hmm. I went basically straight into the workforce when I was 23, um, worked at the hospital and was working full time. And then of course they announced that the tours going to relaunch. Um, Mm -hmm. how am I gonna, how am I going to do this working three shifts a week and doing the tour? Yeah. And released the schedule. I'm like, well, I, I think I can make this work. So I ended up that first, actually the first two years, I would work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, go home and shower really quick Thursday morning, get on a plane, uh, go bowl the tour and come home on Sunday, do some laundry and repeat it. Not, not very successful. I was going to say that's so much. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, the first two years I had some caches. I, I made the Queens TV show in 2015, mm-hmm. partial luck, partial matching up, partial, just good bowling. I mean, I'll take it, but that was really my only success that I had for the first year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized this isn't going to work. So I said, well, bowling is not going to be there for forever. Work will always be there forever. So I mm-hmm. kind of dropped down to part-time if you want to call it that. So that way on the weeks that I traveled, I could work one or two shifts, two shifts, at least two shifts at the beginning of the week, but still have a day um, Mm -hmm. in between the travel. And bowling wasn't always my long-term goal. I had planned on going back for more school. Um, I wanted to be Mm -hmm. a a registered nurse anesthetist. 
Oh yeah. That takes away, you know, you have to give up your life for about three years. Mm -hmm. So every time I tried to take a step back from bowling, something cool would happen. So the tour relaunching, um, and then I made Team USA, something that I didn't think I'd ever, ever do. Yep. Um, and then after that, I, I won team trials. So every time I tried to just take a step back, it just something, something happens that reeled me back in. Just pulls you back in. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So fast forward seven, eight years, and I'm still yeah. working at the beginning of the week. I'm still traveling at the end of the week. I've just somehow found a better way to balance it. Um, but I don't so ever... Sorry, You're still maintaining kind of that, like that split week thing during the tour time. Yeah. Um, I used to, when I was just by, by myself, me and my dog, I, you know, sleep was super important to me. I would just sleep all the time before I would work. And now yep. I realize that doesn't really work that well with a family and two dogs. Yeah. So I, I try to just get some practice sessions in either before work or before a tournament, even it's 20 to 30 minutes, but I've somehow figured it out to get me this far anyways. Yeah it's it's working for you clearly i mean this i i guess how would you assess your season previous last week i mean how how do you feel like it's gone for you um i consistent i guess you could mm -hmm. say you know obviously i'm super competitive um i yeah. always want to win i always want to do well but at the same time i know that what you put into it is what you get out of it so mm -hmm. i would be a fool saying that you know i, I should be on every every show no i didn't <laughs> I didn't put forth uh, that effort that a lot of those women do and a lot of mm -hmm. the time that they put in. So I put mm -hmm. in what I can um, and I always want the best results. But again, like I, I, I'm true to myself. I, I'm realistic. I know that that's not always a reality. Um, mm -hmm. So to win the U S open this year, I, again, just one of those things that reels me back in that makes me wonder right. what, what the future holds. So, yeah, absolutely. Normally I like to finish these conversations with that last big W, but I think it's a, it's a natural transition because it's so proximate. It, like, this is the, the, it's, you just did it. Like I want, I want to know, like I, I went back today and I looked at the numbers and the worst spot that you were in at any point at the end of a block was 21st, but that was, I believe the first block and then seventh or better the whole time. And it was like, so one of the things that I think a lot of the commentary, and I don't know if you listen to the commentary, I don't recommend if you listen to the commentary, because most of the commentary in bowling, including myself, is probably garbage. So either way, <laughs> um, but it was um, you, you come off as very, very even keel as, as there's not a lot of high peaks. There's not a lot of or, or low peaks. Uh, you know, it's very, very, very consistent. You say that you're a very competitive person, so there's probably some people that are sitting out in the world. It's like, man, I'd love to see her show it. It's like, well, competitive is different, right? Like, we all do it our own way. Um, but that was how I saw the numbers for you at the U.S. Open. It was like, it was just bobbing. It was, you were never out of it, and then, and you were, in, you were, like, just in it, like, the whole time. So, like, what was, you know, before we get to the last four games, what were the first 56 like? I mean, that's that that was a grinder of a tournament. Um, so honestly, the first two games of the entire tournament, I believe I went 160, 140. And this is <laughs> I'm in the first squad, I'm in a squad. So obviously there's two more squads, but yep. um, this tournament doesn't allow for electronic devices. Um, mm. you know, at the US Open, you go 99 under for two, and you're like, How how am I gonna make up this many pins on this mm -hmm. pattern when I just did this? Mm -hmm. um, you know, part of me wanted to, to get the cell phone out and start looking at, at flights, to be honest. 
it's <laughs> like, what am I going to do? You know, uh, I had my ball reps there, Nathan Bohr and Andrew Anderson was actually there day one. So of course nice. I'm venting to Andrew next to me and you, I'm like, this, this is impossible at this point in time. He's like, you know, there's plenty of games left. I'm like, but you don't understand. I'm minus 99 after mm-hmm. two games. Um, I went through, I think six or seven bowling balls and uh, yeah, it just wasn't good. It wasn't a good yeah. start to the block. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I, I, kind of thought about it it's it is 56 games to get to the tv show you know everyone's going to have those bad games i just happened to dig myself in a deep deep hole <laughs> to start the week so just, i just guess start, in, in yep. a sense I, I had nowhere to go but up <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, speaking um but i just tried to stay super patient i'm not a very patient person when it comes to bowling mm-hmm. i know i can come off somewhat even keeled um yeah. but those who are super close to me and my good friends know that that's not what's going on in the inside at all. Yeah. Um, so I think patience was a virtue. And I, I always say that, you know, I want to be patient. I want to make my spares good shots. It's one frame at a time, but mm-hmm. it's not often that I actually stick to that process for the entire mm. um, event. And I think I, I did that, which is why it was successful that week. And you actually, so um, in some of the interviews after you won, you referenced that game plan a lot. Like just the idea of a game plan and that historically it's hard to stick with that. Was that the game plan that you were referencing? If it's just like, I just need to throw one good shot a bunch of times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had talked about, I've made the TV show twice before and it it was an epic failure. I mean, there's no other way to to put it into words. Um, I'm a fast bowler to begin with. I don't mm-hmm. doesn't feel like it. You know, I feel like I'm taking forever, but in reality, I don't take very long at all in comparison mm-hmm. to some. So mm-hmm. I, I told myself that I was going to force myself to stay super slow and super patient with anything that happened. Um, Cause the last thing I wanted to do was rush through another, another tournament or another TV show even. And at the end of it, be like, why, why did I do that? You know, that wasn't mm-hmm. what I was intending to do at all. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to do, everything different for this particular event. And I think I, I did that. Yeah, it worked out. I, obviously when you walk away with the green jacket, I mean that <laughs> I'm glad you stuck to the process. So, <laughs> um, all right. So let's jump to, let's jump to the show. I, I mean, that was, that had to be trippy at least a little bit. I mean, especially, uh, you know, let's, I'm curious to go a little bit match by match. Um, and my, I'm sorry, my memory is, really not great first match was it was against shana was who that's I right that's right that's right and the thing the the impression that i got from that match as a spectator was that left lane was god awful and whoever could beat the left lane was gonna win is that does that sound about right that's pretty accurate um i think that first match in general both of us had some nerves and didn't make as good of shots as what we wanted to, obviously. But again, it's the first match on national television. You're nervous. How could you, how could you not be? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we kind of stayed even keeled with each other until the very mm-hmm. end. Um, and unfortunately she, she missed a spare in the 10th and it kind of relieved some pressure. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that match could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. Start for both of us. When you're at the end of that match, and because when you step up in the tenth, I believe you ha- pretty much have it won. You need, you just need like count or something like that. What's going through your mind at the end of that match? What are you looking for? Um, I think again, just to stick with my process. You know, I know okay. I didn't need, I didn't need a mark, but I, I did need good count. Um, which on that pattern, good count was definitely not guaranteed. Yeah. So, um, I, I think I just, 
made sure that I stayed slow. And, you know, I knew that if I stayed slow, that my footwork would kind of fall into line, which was what I was um, focusing on for most of the week, because it had been an issue mm-hmm. um, in the weeks, you know, up and coming into this event. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, the fact that unfortunately she missed a spare, but it was fortunate for me, you know, you don't mm-hmm. get those um, breaks or you don't get the luck that often. Mm-hmm. So I need to need to capitalize on it when it, when it does yeah. happen. For sure. For sure. And then you get into match number two and I, it's, I believe it was the highest scoring match uh, between both players for the, the whole show. Um, and you talk about luck. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's and and I, I don't want to say that as a way of saying that you didn't deserve to win. Right. Because you had to, you, you forced somebody to meet dub, a double and eight. Like, I don't, I don't care like what the end result was. It's like, you need a double and eight. Like that's you were how many times does someone need to double and eight and lose because they wrap a 10 pin. Right. But like you said, count wasn't guaranteed. Does that like, what was that experience like to, cause we all know how good Shannon is. What's that like from the bench? Um, I thought I had lost, you know, after mm-hmm. my 10th frame, I was like, well, I was clean, but I also caught a really good break uh, going Brooklyn with that four bag mm-hmm. in the beginning and I was fortunate enough to leave makeables. So I was a clean game, but nonetheless, I was like, well, there's no way. Like a caliber of player with Shannon, who's been on television so many times, this is the US Open. You know, she got the first one. I was like, well, there's still a chance. And she got the second one. And I thought, you know, well, my run my run has ended. So I thought mm-hmm. I was off the show. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually didn't watch my opponent's shots, really. That's also mm-hmm. something different that I did. I just stared at the ground. Um, and when I heard the ball be released and I, heard it go to the pin. So I was like, what, what should happen? This can't be real. You know, yeah. it didn't feel like real life when she, when she went to the face and, and it got five. It's yeah, just, for sure. It happens. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, I think you were uh, at that point, your impression of that scenario was like the same as every other spectators where it's like, what, what, what just yeah. happened now? What I'm really curious about though, is what kind of a sigh of relief was that? I mean, at that point, you got to be thinking like, well, why not now? <laughs> yeah. um, like, a small part of me, you know, you watch you watch other shows and other competitors on TV. And there's many times where you're just like, well, it's that person's day. Um, yeah. That thought crossed my mind for a split second, but I still had two more matches to go. Yeah. So I thought about it and I was like, all right you're done thinking about it. You have to move on to the, to the next match and just focus at, at what's at hand. But, you know, you think that type of break, again, you want to capitalize on it. Cause it's not, it's, it's a rare opportunity to have mm-hmm. something like that happen to you. So, yeah, for sure. Um, and then obviously you win the next two matches um, title match pretty much goes your way. Um, you, you put on that jacket and you hoist that trophy. Does that, has that sunk in yet a little and that's only because the trophy showed up at my house uh the other day (laughs) um but it was like a cloud nine feeling you know it didn't feel real um to achieve that after you know just a mediocre season and and to know that everything had to go just right for for Mm -hmm. me or for whoever it was going to be to win the title everything had to fall exactly into place um incredible feeling i don't think that Mm -hmm. there are words to quite describe it. I don't think that there will ever be words to describe the feeling um, of winning a major. Um, that and the fact that I, I went straight home and went straight back to work. So reality, <laughs> the normal reality hit me in the face. Um, so I didn't really have a lot of time to process 
what what had happened over the past week. So it's slowly but surely um, starting to sink in. Please tell me that you worked that sh- third shift on Monday right after that Sunday. So, well, the show was on Tuesday, I think. Oh, that's right. It was Tuesday. Gosh darn it. But yes, yes. Tuesday, and my flight was at 5 a.m. the next day. Um, so I came home and did the normal routine, and then I went back to work um, that <laughs> Thursday and worked Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So. Oh, my goodness. Um, are you still doing ER critical care? Yeah, stuff? so I'm, uh, yeah. my position is called an acute care, and I, I float between okay. multiple units, but it's primarily the emergency department and the intensive care unit. Okay, gotcha. So it's still uh, basically the same thing that was happening in 2020, which I think a lot of people are aware of, which we'll get to, because there is one more question I have about that Tuesday, but I was just, I didn't want to miss that opportunity because I had somebody that really wanted to know about that because yeah. she also works in healthcare and wants to know how you do it. <laughs> Um, but the, I guess my, it's not my last question because you want to major, you want $60,000, you're a green jacket hold, you know, wearer now, right? Like that's all nuts, but you talk about these things, this, this win and this, this whole scenario sinking in when you think back to that Tuesday, what's the first memory that hits you? Um, I think just looking at the trophy and I, I didn't know what to do. I had never won on television before, let alone make it to the very end. And I think I remember uh, Rob Gottschall, you know, pointing at the trophy for me to go get it. I'm like, yeah, like I feel like an idiot type thing. Um, So I think that exact moment when I looked at the trophy, I'm like, this, this is actually mine. Like I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That is, that's, I, I, I hope that that is a memory that regardless of whatever happens, never evades you or eludes you because think, I, I mean, you think about the people that have hoisted that trophy, the, the best in the world, right? That, I, I don't know if you share a similar sentiment, but I think the U S opens the hardest, uh, hardest tournament to win out of all of them on both sides, men and women. And, um, congratulations, I guess is the easiest way for me to, to finish this segment, if you will. Thank you. I yeah, absolutely. Um, let's roll back a little bit because like you said, uh, bowling is, and like I said, we both agree. Like bowling is way more than just hoisting trophies. Um, when you were at, and I have some notes here, but I'm terrible at reading and talking. So I'm just going to wing it. When you were at Midland, um, you became, I believe like one of the absolute best female college bowlers that was out there. How was that? I, like, because Midland isn't necessarily known as one of the biggest bowling programs. Obviously, there's been a lot of talent that has come out of that uh, university, but it's not Nebraska, which you were at. Um, what was your college bowling experience kind of like? You know, what stands out? And, you know, like, how do you feel like that um, that experience made it such an easy decision to when the tour relaunches two years after you graduate to be like, well, clearly I'm going to figure this out. Yeah, so I transferred to Midland, obviously my junior year, um, mm-hmm. and I knew the coach that was going to be there, which was part of my driving factor of going yep. there. Um, and then a lot of us were transfers. So I had grown up bowling um, with some of my teammates in high school bowling. So I had known them for quite some time. So it made it a fairly easy decision to mm-hmm. make that my second choice. Um, and then just the team environment. I wasn't, you know, I was a consistent um, individual bowler, you know, I didn't have bowler of the year honors or anything like that, but I, 
I enjoyed Baker games, which was ninety mm-hmm. percent of college bowling. You know, the team games got you to the Bakers, but the Bakers are essentially what won won the tournament. Um, and I think just being in that environment and that atmosphere, um, and realizing the friendships and the competitiveness and just the memories on and off the lanes, um, no one will ever forget their their college bowling days. I don't know if some mm-hmm. people want to go back and relive it, but it's nice to look back on and see you know, where you came from and your roots, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, So when they relaunched the tour, just my competitive nature, and in the sense that, you know, I would love to bowl against some of these women that I bowled in in college, um, I could not give it a go. Because you don't Mm -hmm. know, we didn't know how long it was going to be at round four. We didn't know if this was just going to be a one, two, three year deal, or if it was, you know, going to fold again, unfortunately. So the Mm -hmm. fact that it's still here, seven years later, um, it's, I don't know. It's pretty cool to think about. Do you have a specific memory from college bowling, whether competitive or otherwise that stands out that you remember? And it's just like maybe super fond or maybe one that wasn't so great. And you learned a great lesson from, um, I think. So in 2012, we bowled incredibly well at nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up making the TV show and, and getting mm-hmm. second. So I mm-hmm. think that, and being so close to home because it was at Lincoln um, that year, which is just 45 minutes away from from where I grew up. So the fact that mm-hmm. my family and friends could be there too, and a lot of my teammates are from Nebraska, so we had a large fan base, and I think it was just super exciting to be able to to bowl so well and to make it to that TV show. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't win, but still the, the memories that come along with that, that's something that you don't forget about. Yeah, for sure. And, and you won MVP yeah. for the whole ITC that year or that for that event that year too, which is um, needless to say, considering the talent that is in that room, like that's a pretty high honor. Was that something that you ever would have expected like out of yourself knowing what that is, what it takes? Um, no, I, I honestly, when they announced those names, um, you know, you half pay attention to that and you half don't. So yeah. if you hear your name called, you're like, well, hold on, what just, what just happened? Type thing. You know, I'm there for, for team event. I don't really think about it as, as a singles type thing, especially um, at the national championship level. So it's kind of like the icing on the cake, um, but it's not yeah. something that I, that I focused on or even, even thought about how I was doing individually mm-hmm. um, during those types of things. Cause like I said, it's, it's all Baker games. So mm-hmm. you don't really realize it until, until it's over. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, but that's kind of, I, I mean, not that, uh, you don't have team-based competition now, like obviously there's, there are elements to that you've got, um, it's not Baker at, at least to my knowledge, but you're going to get the bowl with AJ here in a month or so. Um, but you know, it, it's, that's a big difference. I, I know at least for myself, like I'm a pretty competitive person individually, but when it comes to team, like Baker style bowling, like my fire rages a lot hotter. Like I get where you're coming from. Yeah. What was now, obviously um, you bowl the tour for a couple of years. Uh, like you said, you made two, you, you, you make team USA in 2016, you win USA team USA trials in 17, but all of that that's happening at that point is individual type bowling. Was there, uh, I, I know you, you mentioned you're a competitive person, but was there a transition that you had to go through to maybe find some extra fire like or something like that outside of the Baker context? Yeah, I think it's a lot different, like you said, with individual bowling. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you're struggling, you don't have your teammates to lean on. And at the same time, if you're doing mm-hmm. well, you, you're celebrating with yourself. 
essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, in a sense, when you first get out of college bowling, it's, it's almost lonely. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's the best way that I can describe it. Um, but you just have to figure out a way. You have to figure out what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Um, you know, team bowling is it for some people. They don't want to go on to, to compete individually. Um, mm-hmm. But I just think the fact that I'm so competitive, um, I could not do it. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, when you're competing on the lanes, yes, it's an individual tournament. And yes, you're competing against other people. But a lot of those people are still your really good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're not, you might not be acting like it uh, on the lanes. Some people might not know it, um, but just being amongst them um, and competing is, is special in a sense. How is that? Like, I've noticed that really, like, I mean, maybe the women are just generally friendlier than the men, but having been around both tours, like, you know, you know, the guys that are friends, but it seems like most of the women are at least respectful, if not like legitimately just friends. Like, is that, does that just come natural or is like, like, is it something that you, you guys kind of work on together? Um, I think for most of us, it's kind of a natural thing. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really think about it. Um, you know, for instance, Jordan Richard, I had to bowl her on the TV show um, mm-hmm. and she's in my wedding in a couple of months. So in a sense, you know, going into, some, if you're bowling head to head, you know, obviously you want to win, but mm-hmm. if you, if you lose a match against one of your good friends, you're like, well, you know, I can at least be happy for the person. Yes. It sucks for me if I lose or the other person, if they lose, but at the same time, you know, you want to be happy for your really good yeah. friends. It's hard not to want that for them. And it's hard not to want them to be successful, just as it's hard to not want yourself to be successful. Yeah. It's kind of a lose, lose or win-win, whichever way you want to want to look right. at it. Well, that was, um, that was the thing that I noticed when I was watching the show, like that Jordan went from bowling. So she's, and then all of a sudden she's right behind everybody. And it's like, well, clearly it's like, she has a vested interest in one of these two players. I didn't know that it was you and not that it, you know, we needed to know, but that is like, that was such a cool under the radar highlight of that whole thing of, cause you know, any, anybody that's competed in anything, to have lost a match in the U.S. Open, to lose your chance at that title, you know that at the very least, what's going through her head probably isn't too great. Right. Like, in the little bit that I know about Jordan is like I know <laughs> she she's she's uh, a little bit more outspoken than maybe some other bowlers when she's bowling like crap. <laughs> I've seen it, <laughs> uh, but um, that's pretty cool, and it's one of those things that you don't really want to take for granted because it doesn't exist everywhere. It's, it is one of those, and even still, I, I take it to the bigger picture. I think one of the biggest things that the women's tour, the, the, the players committee did um, ever in bowling was distributing the money even greater. And that I think is just a call to how unified you all are. And maybe, maybe from a spectator, it seems better than it is, but I'm glad to hear that you don't think that I'm crazy. <laughs> no, no, not crazy. Not crazy at all. Um, yeah. I mean, most of us, when we lose a match, especially on television, we just want to pack our stuff up and get outside mm-hmm. as quickly yeah. as possible. So when I, um, I don't know how long it took me to realize, but when I saw that she was sitting there, you know, I wanted to let out a huge smile, but I'm obviously bowling. So it's like, you know, just channel the, the inner happiness. It, it meant, it meant a lot to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. It's really cool. Um, we're going to roll back a little bit further. And I know that this is a story that you've told. I mean, you've told it pr- probably more times than you'd ever care to, but, 
Um, I do want to look at it from a little bit of a different angle because thankfully, you know, and maybe I'm more separated from it than you are, but we're a little bit more separated from the world of COVID at this point. But I, I, for anybody that isn't aware, and we kind of alluded to it already, you you work uh, critical care, nurse, ER, ICU, um, you frontline worker, right? The, you you were you were that person uh, in the midst of the pandemic. Um, number one, thank you. I know that I couldn't do that job. Uh, I know most of us couldn't and I respect and am very grateful for the fact that you do it. Um, what I want to know is, you know, we, we go from 2018 was your last win 22 today. Um, was that experience of going through that one that changed you to the point like of like number one you noticing but also two changing you in a positive way like how have you utilized that experience in a way to better yourself as a person and maybe even as a bowler yeah so 2020 was hard for everyone mm-hmm. um you know everything that every everything that everyone once knew was was gone essentially mm-hmm. um if not for a couple months it essentially for the entire year for most of us you know there was no tour so when you, when you go from doing something that you love and that, that you know so well to it just being gone in an instant uh, without you having a say about it, it really makes you take a step back and, and learn what not to take for granted. Mm-hmm. So maybe you don't think oh, bowling will always be there. Well, no, <laughs> obviously mm-hmm. it won't. Um, there's a lot of things that people missed out on. So I think in a sense, you know, going back on tour in 2021, um, myself, and I think I can speak for other people too, we were just grateful to have mm-hmm. some normalcy, um, even mm-hmm. if it was a little bit different, there were no fans allowed, uh, spectators allowed for that first part of 2021, which was odd. Um, but just the fact that you know that it can be taken within a matter of seconds, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it kind of makes you look at everything in a different perspective. Um, since I was working so much in 2020 and even 2021, I did even less practicing and less preparation for the tour than what I normally would have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, I don't want to say that it took pressure off me, but I looked at bowling in a completely different way. Obviously you don't want to say bowling is just a game when you're bowling for a living, bowling for titles, bowling for the prestige. I don't mean it in that sense, but I I do mean, you know, I saw a lot of different things in 2020 Mm -hmm. Um, to to put it morbidly. I I saw more death in 2020 and 2021 than I had um, all of my other nursing years combined. Mm -hmm. So to to look at, uh, at someone's life versus a tournament um, it just makes me think differently. And I think mm-hmm. it really helped me um, just have a better attitude, I guess. You know, I wasn't, um, if I go back a couple of years, you could consider myself a hothead and not in a good way. You know, I'd have a bad game or a bad tournament and I would let it kind of spiral into the into the following tournaments, following games. Whereas now I can kind of um, take it in and utilize it for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can get down on myself, but I can propel myself into that next game or the next tournament. So I think that's just something that I didn't mean for it to happen. It just kind of happened after dealing with what I had to deal with in the hospital setting. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, it's it's crazy how life events teach you how uh, small some other life events are, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and that's that was that you know I was really that that's kind of what I was hoping you know because I think a lot of people have maybe a similar experience, but maybe not to the scale that you have, uh, you know, going from that to, you know, obviously 
being on the top of the world in uh, bowling. I'm just going to say bowling. I don't even care if it's women's bowling. Like you won the freaking U.S. Open. I don't care about the guys. Um, so it's 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 good though that um, that you were able to use that in a positive way because, like you said, it changed everybody's life in some way or another. And and having faced that down, I can't even imagine what it would have done to most of us. So I'm I'm glad that you were able to use that positively. Um, and then when I was going through all of this stuff with the, you know, cause 2021 comes around everybody that's, you know, in whatever bowling media is at that point, you know, a lot of attention gets paid to you because it's like, well, you're, the, you're a, you're a frontline worker and you're still out here. Like we already, you, you already determined once 2015 hit that you're, you're a little crazy and you can handle this crazy schedule but to handle it in the midst of that was a whole other ballgame. So it obviously, um, rightfully so, registered a lot of attention. And in that, the thing that you, I think you referenced a lot in not taking for granted uh, in bowling was that it was your outlet, uh, just as, as, a, as a means of release or, or, or whatever, however you would describe an outlet. And that's kind of where I'm headed is um, what, what do you mean by bowling as an outlet? And this is the second part of this question. And I, I, this is maybe more for me than anyone else. Why bowling? <laughs> so um you know my s- schedule i don't even think twice about it the the chaoticness of it um my fiance is also a nurse so she was going through the same yeah. stuff that i was going through as well um so we'd go to work and come home and it would be covid 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 and more covid um but no traveling and no bowling and yes i've got really good friends here um in omaha but at the same time some of my very best friends i have made through bowling so the only times I get to see them are, are at tournaments. So when I realized how um, much not of a homebody I am when I was stuck at home for that long. Um, you know, some people can go stir crazy after a, a couple months, a couple weeks. Um, I went stir crazy all of 2020 just without the traveling. I realized how much I needed to be away and, and see my, my friends on the road um, and how much I needed bowling. I didn't I don't know how to explain it exactly, but like I said, when something's taken from you and you mm-hmm. can't have it back, you just yeah. want it back. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just taught me to never, never take those things for granted. I, I had no idea how much I needed it and how much I wanted it until it was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. And I, I think that that's an, it's interesting because um, you and I would probably highlight a very similar thing in the fact that it's maybe not necessarily just the bowling. Like there is definitely the competitive element, but it is, it is a game. It's, it's a game that's way more than just a game, but it's a game. And it's that stuff that makes it more than a game that I think a lot of us miss. You know, that yeah. was the thing that I missed the most is it wasn't necessarily the fact that I couldn't throw the ball. It was the fact that I couldn't throw the ball with the people I wanted to throw the ball with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we couldn't, we couldn't, couldn't make those memories. We couldn't, couldn't share those stories. We couldn't uh, ma- make those experiences happen. And uh, that was kind of, that's kind of what my guess was, but maybe sometimes bowling has a little bit more of a unique place in people's lives where it's like, no, if I go, if I don't bowl, I go nuts. Like I, I, I know a couple people like that, but maybe me, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, again, I just wanted to, I just wanted to highlight that one because I guess it's, you're, you're, uh, you, you're a hero. And I know that that's a, at this point, a cliche term, uh, for doing what you did. Uh, so thank you very much for doing that. And I'm glad that you ended up in a positive way because of it too. So thank, thank you. you. Um, now I'm going to roll back a little bit further 
because this is in fact a bowling podcast. Um, I don't recall the year. Um, I believe it was 2019. It might've been 2018. You're, you have, uh, you injured your hip, right? Yeah. Uh, would have been 2017. It was my, my back. Yeah. It was your back. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I, I knew it was, it was right. It, it, Cause you couldn't hardly move and you're still yeah. making shows. Um, what adjustments to your routine did you make because of that injury? Because I think a lot of people in bowling go through that of like, well, I hurt my back, my shoulder, my knee, whatever. What adjustments did you make, uh, if any, besides rest? Um, so when I got home from that U.S. Open, I went and saw, you know, obviously some doctors and a chiropractor, just things that I had never done before. I had never really considered just because I had never hurt my back this badly. You know, sore back is one thing, but this felt terrible in comparison mm -hmm. to the other times. Um, so I did chiropractic work for several weeks. Um, I even mm -hmm. went to physical therapy just to learn some strengthening exercises mm -hmm. that I could do. Um, but all in all, I think I just took it easy. Um, you know, normally I would push myself through circumstances, whether I was hurting or not, um, especially with my job at work, you know, mm -hmm. I'm constantly lifting, turning, pulling patients, which also puts a strain on my back and then combine it with bowling and it's, it's double the work. Um, so I think I've just learned to listen to my body a little bit more. So if I'm starting to feel a little bit sore, I'll just kind of take it easy with what I'm doing or stop, um, mm -hmm. if I can. And I'm not quite as stubborn uh, when it comes to going to the doctor or seeing a physical therapist if I need to. If I were to go back several years ago, you know, you couldn't get me to go to the physical therapy or something <laughs> like that. I didn't, mostly because it's hard. It's hard work. <laughs> I yeah. Just, yeah. Um, so I don't know, you know, I knock on wood. I haven't had any problems since then. Um, and if I do have issues, I think I'll know the proper channels to go through in order to get myself back to back to where I need to be. Sure. sure. No, that's, 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 uh, that's good to know. Cause I wasn't sure if there were like big changes that you had to make to your game or not, or if it's just like, nah, just let your body do its thing for a little while. Yeah. It's basically what I, what it was, let my body do its thing. So. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, I, I have to ask because this is one thing that when I go through everything that I can find on Aaron McCarthy, I can't find it. What do you do for fun? Like you're still a human. Yes, we're you're a bowler, but like I know, you know, I'm thinking, you know, this this podcast is gonna go up on July 5th. Your birthday's July 7th. She's gotta be doing something fun. She's planning a wedding, all of these things. What does Aaron McCarthy do for fun? Um, honestly, a lunch date with friends or some dinner with friends. That's so <laughs> my fun consists of now. Um <laughs> I guess that's one of the sacrifices I, I made when I, when I chose my schedule, the fact that I was yeah. going to balance um, hospital work plus bowling, um, it kind of gives up a lot of my time. I try mm -hmm. to schedule uh, piggyback some vacations off some of the trips that I do. For instance, we were in St. Petersburg um, earlier this month. So we stayed a couple extra days and just relaxed on the beach. That is my uh, like prime vacation. If I can just sit on a beach near the water, uh, with a drink, whether it be alcoholic or non in hand, uh, yeah. that's my, that's my ultimate, ultimate vacation. So that, that makes sense nice. being from Omaha. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of options for that here. I love it. I love it. Um, one of the things that, uh, I always curious about, uh, talking to folks that have 
ventured their way to the top of the mountain is um, what advice they would give to their uh, younger selves. So if you had to look back, you know, 2015, 2016, you're kind of grinding through those first couple of years, or even maybe before that, you know, you, you, that, that time in your life where, you know, you turned some, some corner somewhere, what advice would you give to your younger self? Uh, just relax. I, I would get so angry and so tense after, you know, a bad game or even a couple of bad shots. And I would, whether it be blame myself, blame the ball, either way, I couldn't get myself out of that rut. I couldn't be patient enough. I couldn't relax enough to just say, it's just a bad game. Like there's plenty mm -hmm. of, plenty of other opportunities to make it up. So I think that would be the biggest thing. Um, mm -hmm. And even I used to read books like mental books, um, even mm -hmm. throughout those years. And still it wouldn't, I would read it and understand it, but I wouldn't apply it. It wouldn't stick. Yeah. And I think now, um, and I think maybe COVID helped me out with this. Now I'm actually starting to apply it and, and listen to it and stick with the process of that. Um, wish I would have learned it a long time ago, but better late than never, I suppose. Yeah. Do you have a book or a resource that you appreciate more than maybe some others or apply more than others? Um, so one of the ones is Mind Gym. It was recommended. I know a lot of people have read that book. Um, mm -hmm. That's probably one of the first books I had read. So it's really stuck with me. Um, I've got some other ones I can't even think of think of the names, but I have a small stack uh, mm -hmm. downstairs that I've read from time to time, or that I'll pick up and read if I feel like I need to need to pick me up or or some mm -hmm. sort of different perspective. Yeah, for sure. That's just one of those. That's one of those parts of the game where it's so hard to practice. It's so hard to create those or implement those resources because, like you said, you know, you talk you talk about physical therapy and, and you know strength training and all that to fix an injury being hard. Well, <laughs> the the mental game is equally, if not more, difficult. So uh, it's it's just one of those when when folks mention that they have a a strong you know, uh, now they are implementing. It's all, I'm always curious because I've read every book under the sun, as you can think of with, with that sort of stuff. But I, 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 I share a similar struggle of application. Yep. It's so hard to be like, yeah, I'm going to stick to this process. And like you said, you kind of highlighted it. It's like when I stuck to the process, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, does being referred to the, as the female EJ ever bother you? Uh, no, I actually embrace it fully. That's perfect. Uh, I think there was a proprietor's cup several mm -hmm. years back now, um, where someone decided to get a picture of both of us, uh, back to back and it's, it's over the internet in a couple of different places. Um, but yeah, he's oh, yeah. My, my brother essentially. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I just, uh, the first time I heard that, I was like, well, if the shoe fits, I mean, especially when you, when you made the switch to motive that I think that was the final, like that was a straw that really put it all together. Yeah. Yeah. No, was, I, uh, I embrace it. <laughs> what was, um, normally I don't necessarily talk about ball company stuff, but I am curious if, if um, what, it, what was that switch like to, to flip over? Um, you know, I switched, during COVID essentially. So I, mm -hmm. I reached out to Brett Spangler, um, not really expecting anything or not knowing what to expect just because the industry as a whole was very volatile. You know, we had yeah. never seen bowling in that, in that state before. Um, and he welcomed me along with, you know, the rest of the Moda family with open arms, literally. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was 
at that point that I realized, you know, I, I made the right decision. I, I probably should have made the decision sooner, um, but you never know until you get there. Um, and I, I don't regret it for for one second making the switch. It's it's by far one of the best decisions I've made for for my bowling career. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when I talked to Andrew, who you mentioned earlier, um, you know, I think of when he was at the Players Championship and he's throwing new balls for the first time and he's probably in a very similar boat to you that you were at for the first two games of the u.s open where it's like how do i dig myself out of this hole i really wish you could have been there to be that person for him so that the roles could have been reversed because um, that's a really hard thing to do but um you know i I guess i'm what i'm kind of alluding to was what was that learning process like like how how did that kind of go for you um you know it's tricky to say the least you know, you're going mm-hmm. to a company that you don't know their bowling balls. And on top of that, uh, there was no bowling in 2020. Right, so right. Not only do I not know those balls? I just don't know bowling uh, in general. Right. Um, but I think, you know, Nathan Bohr, who's the women's tour rep, mm-hmm. um, he's super knowledgeable and just super easy going to get along with and easy to talk to, easy to communicate with. So I think just the fact that I had him at those first couple of events um, and bouncing ideas off of each other, um, you know, it made it an easy transition to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I, there's still more that I had to learn about the balls and the line in general, but just that open line of communication, um, it makes it a lot less, um, I don't even know the word that I'm trying daunting, to daunting. Maybe? Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. Um, a lot less daunting in that yeah. sense. Um, and now, uh, looking ahead, you've got, you get to bowl with one of the, one of the other motive guys with AJ is the Lucy one of your favorite events to bowl during the year? Like I assume it is for everyone because it's the coolest event to watch. Yeah, it is by far hands down the fa- my most favorite event that I've ever bowled in. There's nothing else like it. <laughs> yeah. What is it? What is it about that event that makes it so special for everybody? Um, Donna Connors and her staff, what they do for not only bowling, but just the awareness that they bring to breast cancer um, mm-hmm. is next to none. The pro-ams alone, you know, you think of a pro and you're like, Oh, maybe not my most favorite thing to do. Obviously you want to give back to the bowling centers and the people, but just the way this pro-am is put on. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you've got people riding bikes across the lanes for, for raffle tickets and it's just a full house. There's hundreds of people. It's shoulder to shoulder um, that, and then coupled with, you know, it's a mixed doubles tournament for a good cause. Um, mm-hmm. It's special. There's yeah. there hasn't been anything else like it. I don't think there will ever be anything else like it. That's something that all of us look forward to every single year. Now that you've crossed off the box of U.S. Open winner, is that the next one down the list? I would love to win that tournament. AJ and I have been super close. I think this will be our this will be our fifth year bowling together, and we've made the mm-hmm. top eight three times. Um, we even got second. I think it was two years back. So we've been really close. Um, I I would love to get that win with him. Yeah. Yeah. That would be awesome. I, I just, I so look forward to that event every year as a spectator, fingers crossed. I'm trying to get it to where I can go. It's just really far away. <laughs> when you're in North central Wisconsin, Houston is a, is a bit yeah. of a trick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right here. Uh, you know, obviously I could, I could ask you about what it's like to not only have the craziest schedule in bowling, but to also mix in wedding planning in the middle of that. But we all know that wedding planning is awful. Is there, uh, it, it, did that add any sort of uh, struggle for you the last few weeks? Um, a little bit, yes and no. A lot of people make fun of me, including my fiance, because I'm very type A. 
Mm. Um, so I like to be organized. I like to plan in advance. And that's mostly because my schedule is so chaotic. Um, right. You know, back in January, February, even though the tour is months away, you know, I'm pushing at her that we need, to, we need to do stuff. We need to make these phone calls. And she's like, we got plenty of time. And I'm like, no, 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 we don't because I'm about to start traveling. Um, so most of our stuff was was booked and ready to go before I started the tour. So now it's just the the little details and, and trying to yeah. find ways to, to pick that stuff out. So not as stressful as what I thought it was going to be, but nonetheless, it's a lot of work. I just remember those last few months before crossing that bridge of being just like, this is, this is too much. I can't, and I can't even imagine, <laughs> but I, we weren't nearly as prepared as you. I think you were. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. This is one of my favorite questions to ask anybody. And I think it'll be a good place to wrap up because um, obviously, you know, what you, what you accomplished at the U S open is a memory that you will never forget. Uh, uh, it will go down in the, the history books of bowling. You know, that's, that's, it's literally like, that's what the U S open is. Um, it is, you know, it, it is, I, I would argue that it, it would probably be the answer to this question. If I said you couldn't answer this question with that answer, <laughs> what is yeah. your, what, what, sorry, that was a very circular way of saying that, but I promise it made sense. We'll listen back later. I just want to know when you like, what is your favorite memory in bowling? Oh, I'm not allowed to answer it this one though. You're not allowed to answer as the winning of the U.S. Open. Favorite memory in bowling. Outside of that, because that obviously takes the cake, yeah. at least right now. You know, hopefully you can beat that memory someday in the future. But like, you know, I, I just want to know what is your favorite memory outside of that? So I think outside of that, it would be my first tour title. Um, and not just because it was a title, but it was it was not on TV. It was on a live stream mm -hmm. event. Um, but they always had someone in the booth um, with the person from USBC live streaming. And that particular person was Josie Barnes, who is my, my very best friend. Yep. Um, and she actually got to do the trophy presentation for that. So I think, you know, having her there and then having her be able to present me with the trophy and the announcements, that was pretty special. You know, it's not often mm -hmm. that you get to say my best friend got to, you know, present me with my very first title and be there for my first mm -hmm. title. So I think mm -hmm. that would be the most uh, memorable moment outside of the U.S. Open, of course. Did she give you your green jacket then too, since she was reigning champ? She didn't. She actually had to go home. She had a flight basically the next day to Sweden uh, for oh. recruiting type stuff. So okay, uh, yeah, Carolyn Dormbauer though was there for that presentation. Yep. So that's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, I um, they, they they cut the TV feed a little quick to my taste, but um yeah no that's that's a great memory it's it's like i said it's one of those things where it's not necessarily just the bowling it's the people you get to bowl with and um that's pretty cool that you got to have that experience because yeah. josie is I, I at least to what i know of her which if she's your best friend you know you could probably agree with this that she's seems like one of the nicest people that's out there yes um great great coach too what she's doing at vandy is crazy so uh, Aaron, congratulations on winning the 2022 uh, Women's U.S. Open. It is a tremendous achievement, and you should be proud of yourself. And I hope that the the realization starts to set itself in here sometime soon for you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I appreciate it. Thank you so yeah. much. 
Absolutely. And, uh, you know, next time that you decide to pop off another big major win, we'll do this again. And we'll talk about how this now tops the list. How's that sound? That sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, uh, thank you very much for the time, Aaron. I will let you get back to your evening and back to your dogs and, and to, and to your fiance and everything that you got going on. Uh, I, because I, I hope we can do this again sometime soon, but, uh, again, thank you so much for the time and best of luck the rest of the year. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely.